there. Welcome to Rested Mamas Talk. We're Chelsea and Mika, your certified pediatric sleep coaches who were once exhausted mamas just like you turned into rested mamas who now have helped hundreds of families get better sleep in three days with an alternative to traditional sleep training. As creators of the Association Fading Sleep Method, we teach a responsive and holistic approach. Our podcast is dedicated to sharing the journey from true parental exhaustion to thriving parenthood. From real sleep tips, from us and other experts to real stories of families just like you. Let's get rested. Hey there, families. Welcome to another episode of Rested Mamas Talk. Hey, Mika, how are you doing? Hello, good. You know, just recovering from everything sickness at this time of the year where (laughs) sickness, travel, and the holidays all come crashing down together. And one time. (laughs) Yeah. Mika and I have been both handling sickness within our families and personally, but we're really excited today because the holidays are coming up. And Mika, your decorations, I am jealous of, and I need to get going. People are always like, don't decorate before Thanksgiving. Don't do it. Um, But I have to be honest, I'm really itching. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't finish decorating until Thanksgiving. So everything is up inside but the tree. And I don't put lights up until, you know, the blow ups. (laughs) The Santa blow ups, but I mean, that's all. Well, we don't really, we, we kind of go away for Thanksgiving. So we have the naked tree up. Okay. And then we come back after Thanksgiving and then we kind of finalize everything, which kind of goes into our topic when we have all of these decorations coming up. That usually means there's some type of holiday travel happening. And so today we decided to talk a little bit about sleep during the holidays. And with all of those holidays coming up, whether you are celebrating Thanksgiving in the U.S. or you are preparing for Christmas and you are going to go see family. I know we have a lot of international families that are traveling internationally to go back. We know that it can make families really nervous to embark on sleep. The unknown. <laughs> the unknown. Yeah. Not just even the travel on the day of, right? That is right. one beast, but then what can you expect when you're actually on vacation? Whether that's at your in-laws or your parents' house or, you know, your aunt and uncle, it's here for one day or whatever it is, uh, it can cause a lot of questions and nervousness. And, and that's actually a really good point too, is that sometimes you're not even really traveling like out of town, but it's, you know, a day or two days of family gatherings and it's where your little ones routines really do look different. And I, you know, it's completely understandable to have some nervousness, especially if you've just gone through the process of really helping your little one have some just better sleep habits in general and sleep is looking better. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, great. Now we have the holidays and what does that look like? So Or if sleep is looking so bad and you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. And I love the holidays, but it is hectic enough on its own. Mm -hmm. I mean, and then adding in sleep, adding (laughs) in sleep. So, you know, kicking it off, talk to me a little bit about 
some of your memories of first holidays <laughs> with Lena when you were a new mom. Yeah. And well, it was what do you remember? Yeah. Well, so Lena was born. So she's my oldest. Um, she was born at the end of September. And so she was still pretty much in the newborn stage when we entered that first holiday season. And so I actually remember my biggest concern was sleep, but also how to be intertwining that with her feeding schedule. <laughs> so that was where I was really stressing out because my, my, you know, really the first four months of my breastfeeding journey with Lena was, was really pretty difficult. And so I was trying to find a good rhythm with that on top of her sleep. And so adding in going to other people's houses that she wasn't really familiar with, like that was just really stressful. I do remember though, I have to say that in all of the time that I was overwhelmed, it actually was kind of nice. And I'm going to say this in a very, um, please don't take this wrong in any way, shape or form, but it was really nice that first holiday though, to be able to have like a quote unquote excuse or something to be able to just like <laughs> take a break <laughs> from all of the hubbub and the, you know, big events. Um, I do remember that first Thanksgiving, we went to a very large gathering with a very, a lot of extended family, my brother-in-law's family. It just was a lot. And so um, to be able to also just have some quiet time. Um, and that actually goes to like one of my tips and that like your families understand if you need to step away for whatever it is or whatever reason that is for to do what you need to do with your child. And so I think that there are a lot of times where us as moms feel guilty about that, that they, you know, should be able to do X, Y, and Z and still be enjoying that time with your family, which you are. But I don't want you to think that like your family's going to think you know, badly about if you do need to go step away to put your child down or to make sure that they're kind of staying on, you know, a good track to make sure that everyone stays happy, right? Um, an overtired baby is just also nothing that anybody really um, enjoys. So that's also just a little side note there. But what about you? What do you I remember mean with Everly? So, I mean, I know, I know um, for most families, that's true. I do have to caveat that sometimes culturally, Families mm -hmm. don't understand. That's true. Yes. And so in those situations, it is – it's not your concern on whether they understand or not. It's your concern on what's best for you and baby. And so stay and confident let me just, in that. And stay confident. Yeah. And I'm going to throw that out because mm -hmm. what Chelsea mentioned is literally no one is going to enjoy a fussy baby. Mm -hmm. And there is not any way to get a child – just used to overstimulation or used to not sleeping. Um, those yeah. are those are not things that, first of all, you want a child to get used to anyways. So just be confident. And if you need to step away and you feel like that's going to bring judgment, on the other hand, from your family, um, be confident that that's what's best for your child to kind of decompress. I was – probably in that bucket and you know my family was probably less not they're not judgmental at all they're actually very supportive but <laughs> but culturally in my in my my culture other cultures yeah. there is a lot of opinion 
a lot of opinion that comes out on holidays. (laughs) You should, oh, they should be fine or just put them down here. You know, when you guys were little, you just fell asleep on the couch when it was time. And I do remember that. I do remember when I was younger, I didn't really have a bedtime during holidays. We would literally pass out on the couch on the floor. Yeah. And I will tell you, I have no idea how my mom survived it. I don't don't know how my aunts and uncles survived it, but like I knew I could not survive that. And I was so nervous to even go out when my child was a newborn Mm -hmm. because I was so scared of not getting a nap and getting a fussy child in a car seat that the holidays actually gave me a super lot of anxiety. Um, and, uh, maybe for me, it was more about control. And so, um, we did find a way around that with trying to host on our own. So that was one thing is using Mm -hmm. the kids as an excuse to say, it's better for us to have the holidays here so that I can still put my child down. And that was a way of making me feel like I could control something, Mm -hmm. but I was nervous about having bad naps during the day because of the overstimulation and having an even worse night because what happens is you have all this time that you're enjoying with your family or your friends at this event but I'm looking at the clock because I'm like oh my gosh it's getting late and I'm not gonna mm-hmm. sleep tonight and oh it makes it's past their nap time and, past their nap yeah. time I'm not gonna get sleep tonight I mean it gives me it gives me nausea right now thinking about that. <laughs> how nervous I was, but that's what I was nervous about. Just knowing that this, oh my gosh, I'm setting myself up for disaster. So shocking, which I think we may have talked about this before, but I've come to realize that I was a little bit more of a people pleaser in my life than I really realized initially. And one of the things that always gave me a lot of stress was, um, basically asking others to have a sleep space available for my child, um, or making sure that they had the necessary things that they needed to go to that location, right? Whether it's to your in-laws and, you know, you know, there's dynamics there. And so um, one thing is that it's okay to kind of take control of that too, and just bring what you need. Um, And to not necessarily feel, you know, feel like you need to ask or have others to do that. You can just go ahead and bring what you need and find a quiet space. So whether that is even, you know, a large, walk-in closet, or if it is, you know, an upstairs bedroom, you know, wherever that might be, um, that actually really helped to reduce some of my anxiety is just to honestly be prepared going into that day. And that gave me a little bit of peace of mind of things that like I can control, right? Like I can bring my daughter's sleep sack. I can bring her portable sound machine. And that kind of thing was actually kind of, you know, make or break, right? For me and the stress level going into that week or that, that day, really, for some of you, it's just the one day. But like when a client asks you, Mika, okay, so like, let's say a client comes to you and says, okay, Mika, I'm driving to my in-laws. It is about a five hour drive. How best do you think that we should handle this with our kiddos naps? What are kind of some of the questions that you then in turn ask them? But then also, what are some of the big pieces of advice that you give them in that time? Yeah. I So the first thing I always think about is a lot of what you just mentioned is control what you can control and just, you know, 
know what impacts there will be so that you can prepare for it. So mm-hmm. nowhere in this podcast or this episode where we're telling you that these are the things that you need to do are actually things you need to do. If you feel like you're trying to retain as much as possible because that's the balance you need, then these are these are the steps that we prioritize. But if you are fully capable, one of those superhumans fully capable of having you know, a a crazy overstimulated day and baby can catnap. And then at night, you're just like, I'm going to power through it. That's part of it, right? You're just mentally preparing yourself. I just, I wasn't built like that. So (laughs) I try to figure out what I can to retain. And if I get that question from a client, the first thing I always ask is when, when are you driving? Mm -hmm. And when is the event? And what do you have available to you? And the reason I ask that is because when you can, I always try to have a drive in which you can align a nap in the car. 100%. Now, I know that some families are like, oh, my gosh, my kid will never, ever sleep in the car seat. That will change mm-hmm. if you have a really solid schedule. So if you want to prepare before that, we do have a nap guide. We have a lot of tips on our Instagram where you can kind of figure out how to align to your child's natural sleep rhythms. But if that is really strong, then you can time it pretty well, especially with our clients when your child is likely going to fall asleep. It's going to be within that 45-minute tired zone of their nap. Depending on whether whether your child is on a two-nap schedule, a three-nap schedule, what I would recommend is um, trying to start your drive about 30 to 40 minutes before that nap schedule if you can, if it aligns mm-hmm. to your schedule, and then al- allowing them to take that first nap in the first part of the drive. Right. If your drive is long enough to where there might need to be another nap, I always recommend if you can try to take like a snack break or a a stop sometime in that wake time for 30 minutes. You probably are going to have to feed if you have a child who has those short wake times anyways. And so I would recommend that you stop for a meal, stop for for feed, you know, get them out in the open. And then what you'll do is you'll get back in the car and then really try to focus on getting them a nap again on the second part of the ride. So that's one thing if you're trying to go first thing in the morning. For mm-hmm. us, we are going away for the holidays next week. We go away every single Thanksgiving, just our little core unit. Now, it's not a long drive. It's just a couple hours. My son is on a two-nap schedule. We plan to leave 45 minutes before his nap. Yeah. And that allows us, obviously, to get some quiet in the car. <laughs> And, well, it and just, that, that it piece really that, helps us retain that nap. Yeah. And I that piece about taking a break is really helpful. Not only, yes, to help your child make sure that they have a good meal, a good feed, but it actually can make the world of difference even for your little babies to get out of that car seat and even stretch their legs mm-hmm. too um, and allow them to just have some different stimulation around them that can help to reduce quite a bit of fussiness than that second lag of the um, of the drive to um, when they are potentially awake. You know, definitely bring... Some highly preferred toys. Um, that's really helpful. You can actually bring a portable sound machine. If you don't have one, though, don't worry about that. Actually, if you're in the car, Mika, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you can actually just put on like an AM static radio station, and that serves as a good sound sound machine for in the car. So- I actually have a um, I have a emergency one. Yeah. It's- totally free. It's on your phone and it's called 
white noise. Oh, yeah. And there's tons of apps out there. It's tons of apps. This is my favorite because there's no timer. You can Mm -hmm. actually pick brown noise and pink noise on it. And it's totally free. And when I totally forgot the hatch or whatever, the only downfall, obviously, you guys know, is now your phone is out of commission. Not, yeah, out of commission. <laughs> yeah. Not for you to be available. But, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. I know um, one family <clears throat> that was just on our coaching call, actually, they have yeah. like a seven-hour drive. Mm-hmm. Seven hour drive, right? That's a lot of that is happening during the holidays. Yeah. And another thing that we decided for them was that we would try to catch the first nap of the day or the second nap of the day in the car, have them take a break for dinner. Oh, yeah. That's great. Idea. Be able to have them like walk around mm-hmm. and then try to get back on the road right before bedtime and use that night sleep in the car yeah. when it's dark. And let's actually talk about that because that's something that happens too. Or I actually had a client a few weeks ago that they're like, well, we can't, we can't really leave in the morning time. We have to because of work schedules. And so I said, that is absolutely okay. If you have that awake time at the beginning, even of your drive, you can, when you do a stop, you can do almost like a really abridged bedtime routine. You can do your bedtime feed. You can get them into jammies. You can even read them a little book and then have a, them fall asleep in the car seat. And then also then when you get to your location, you can help to transfer them back into their um, their space. And that's also where it's helpful if you are going to family members to kind of just let them know that baby is going to be going down for you know, at bedtime when they get there. So that's something that they can just know and prepare for that, you know, your little one probably won't be awake and ready to play when they arrive at that house, which I know for grandmas, sometimes that that can be hard. But um, a lot of times just that communication can go really a long way. But there's so many, especially if your little one has some really consistent bedtime and nap routines, you can start to incorporate even little bits of that even when you're on the go. And again, if you don't, don't worry. That's obviously something that we have lots of resources on, free resources on our Instagram page too, where we lay out a lot of that information. So, okay, so that's car, but let's switch our attention to plane (laughs) to flights, because I feel like that is another beast within of itself. And so actually, Mika, before we had this podcast record today, um, we did have some people send us in some questions, just to kind of guide our conversation. And I picked out the ones that I would say are pretty like frequently asked questions surrounding travel. But one of them is actually, when should I schedule my flight for holiday travel. So if you're haven't scheduled your flight yet, you are going to, you know, across the country or to your in-laws, you have to fly for, for example, for Christmas, you're getting ready to buy those flights. When would you buy them? Or what time of day? So first and by of the all, way, I'm asking Mika because Mika, you guys, she's like my guru when it comes to travel <laughs> with kids. <laughs> I have learned so, so many, many things. <laughs> I have learned so many lessons. <laughs> So here's where there's a difference between road trip travel and plane travel. And first of all, if you have an option for plane tickets, that's awesome. And if you don't, we'll talk a little bit about how you navigate around that. Now, if we're talking about the road, I'm Mm -hmm. just going to give some perspective. Yes, you can kind of drive at night. We've done that multiple times. We drive to Mammoth. It's a six and a half hour drive. We used to leave at six o'clock knowing that our child would sleep majority of it. And yes, that means we get there at midnight. For travel on a plane, 
I really don't recommend for your own mental sanity that it is in the middle of the night if you can avoid it. I know you can't sometimes when it is international, international, which we do have some tips on that. But if you can and you have, you know, a three to five hour flight, if you can have it during the day in general, that is better. Here's why. You might think like, oh, you know, the the white noise that you get from the airplane. But guess what they do in the middle of the night? They turn Please. off the lights. <laughs> Here's an announcement. So we are flying at thir- I mean, they caused me anxiety. We took one red eye flight with my daughter who was like the best sleeper. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to seriously cuss out the announcement <laughs> that was happening at 10 o'clock at night. We took a, we took like an eight o'clock red eye. Yeah. I would never do it again just because those announcements are so loud. They try to do their best. I totally get that. Not their fault. But if you're trying to retain sleep, it can be really, really hard, especially if you don't have a lot of time when you get to your location to get back on schedule. So that's the one reason I would not do a red eye flight during the day. If you try to align a flight where there is a nap or two during it is totally the best thing. I would try to align my naps if I couldn't align it perfectly to where my child wasn't sleeping while I was waiting at the airport. That's when I want my child awake. I want them walking. And then in the airplane where when we have very little space to do anything is when I want them to sleep. And sometimes that would mean waking them up early that day. Mm Mm-hmm just so that I can have that wake time for them and their next nap for just that day only does align in the airplane. And and at least that's what I would do from a scheduling standpoint. And kind of to piggyback off of that, especially if you have a little one that's like, for example, on a three nap schedule or even more or four naps, you can also schedule it um, if you, again, if you have flexibility to where your child can be sleeping in the car on the way to the airport, have that awake time while you're going through security and while you're getting to your gate, and then have that next nap to happen while you're on the flight. That's actually like ideal world. Also too, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but feed, um, give her some, you know, if you're a toddler, give them something to drink at takeoff too. Um, that really helps with their little ears um, just to make sure that they're staying comfortable with that. That was a really good reminder, though, Chelsea, that, you know, when you think about, oh, well, you know, my child is asleep. We have some time before the flight. Just remember the steps that you take preparing to get on the airplane. That is why you don't want to try to align a nap once you know you get to the airport. Um, Because, yes, you might get a little bit of a snooze in uninterrupted when you're checking in your bags. But Mm -hmm. the minute you go through security, they are going to have you. Yeah, you have to remove them from your carrier or your stroller. So you're going to have to go through waking all over again. They have to test your stroller, right? And then Mm -hmm. you don't get to put them back down. So not to mention then once you get to the gate, you have to gate check your stroller, and so that's, there's just a lot and of there's announcements again, announcements everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, so that's what makes it really kind of difficult. And you really want to try to retain that nap time for, for the plane. Yeah. Now, when you are on the flight, however, and your child is fighting sleep, 
just know that it will be okay. You know, there are so, there's just so much going on around them that they obviously do not experience on a regular day-to-day basis. And so for some little ones, it can be very difficult for them to settle, to go down, even if it is their typical nap time. So if that happens, you know, mentally prepare for it to happen just in case it does. I know Mika, this happened to you. Um, was it your last vacation when you went on your cruise um, with, with your son? With I want to say we were in Hawaii. So that's a six hour okay. flight for us. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things you prepare for is that, I mean, your entire nap might be an hour off, mm-hmm. but at the same time, that's mentally preparing, right? My yeah. goal was that he was just going to take that one nap. Right. So eventually it happened, but he was so overstimulated that age is just really hard. You know, one, Mm -hmm. one is just really hard to get on a plane. But yeah, if you can offer some sleep when you get off. Um, and even tomorrow, the next day to help them to get back on. That's absolutely Adjust, okay. Yeah. yeah. Give them a little bit of patience and grace as well. So, so we kind of talked about this one a little bit, but one of the questions that we have is what happens if the holiday event goes into my child's typical bedtime? What, what would you yeah. say? So my go-to yeah. honestly, is I have a really great lay flat stroller. Mm-hmm. If I don't have a pack and play available. Yeah, yeah. And I offer them sleep in that overlap if it's not a ton, right? If it's going to be four hours, then I would probably recommend you try to find some kind of sleep space for them because that's just a long time. But I try to make it so that I can still have my child down as much as possible. Now, if it goes into a little bit of bedtime and we're talking like 30 minutes or even an hour, I would say make adjustments for the day so that your child can stay pleasant and happy for that nighttime. Maybe offer a little bit of a longer nap for the day or, you know, shift out your schedule, an extra cat nap. And then bedtime is going to be in the car seat on the way home. And if they wake up when they get home, that is okay. Continue with the same routines of how you would typically respond to them if they woke up in the middle of the night and just kind of proceed in that way. So now... So what happens, and this is a question, and I'm going to kind of set the stage for it. Um, You can answer first, I can answer first. But the question is, is what would be our top piece of advice? Your child, my child is just flat out refusing a nap when I go to grandma's house. So for example, they're at Thanksgiving dinner, um, you know, early dinner, we got there at 10 a.m. They were supposed to go down for their nap at two. It is now 4.30 and they have not slept. What would you recommend? So the first thing that I would say, and then we can kind of popcorn on this one because I have, I think we have several tips (laughs) of things that you can do. Um, But the first one is, is that usually when that happens is that they are overstimulated. And so, um, and that's nobody's fault. It just kind of how the cookie crumples when there's lots of things going on. And so as much as you can do to get them into a quieter space and a darker space, the better. Um, Even if you need to kind of just take a break and not necessarily try to put them to sleep in that darker, that quieter space, but even just have them have a little bit of quieter playtime and then go into trying to get them down with either your your nap routine, et cetera. If they end up flat, 
flat out refusing that nap. It is absolutely okay to go ahead and bring up that bedtime, even if it is in that flat stroller or in the car on the way home, that's absolutely okay. I will be honest that there were definite times with my son specifically (laughs) where it was really hard for him to go to sleep and in other places um, when he was a baby. He's better about it now, <laughs> now that he's three. But um, at the time, it was really hard for him, especially around like eight, nine months when he was just like super aware of everything that was going on around him. And so my husband and I just made the choice sometimes to where we would just go ahead and put him in the car and go for like a 30 minute drive around town and let them sleep in that car. And again, if, you know, you kind of got a little pushback from family and just say like, you know, Hey, like he's really upset. It's going to be kind of miserable for everyone. We're just going to get him some sleep. And so that's always a good go-to if you're really struggling, but what would you add to that? Anything? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the go-to that I have is um, you, you know, your child, right. And Mm -hmm. um, whether they're going to be distracted or not. And um, my son too, he, he's easily distracted. So remember, it's not about someone needing to fall asleep in a dark room. Dark rooms just help us, all of us. And I remember going to my cousin's house and they were so gracious. They like put in a pack and play, but there was, you know, no way to darken the room. And I did not think to bring, you know, my portable shades, which by the way, if there's a link down below of now I will never leave without them um, or, or the slumber pod, but um, he would not, he would not take. And so what I did was I just stuck him in a stroller and I walked away for 20 minutes. And so you might be thinking like, gosh, well, that's just a short nap and you're going to be stressed out about the short nap. You know what? 30 minute nap. There's really not much of a difference between 30 minutes to one hour. When you think about the first half of a sleep cycle is the deepest part of sleep anyways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't try to stress yourself out about trying to get a big, you know, normal long nap, even a 20 minute nap, right. To kind of help yeah. them get through for the rest of the day is really all you need and taking away that time before just to decompress and let them have some quiet time is, um, is really good. So one of the things that we always do, Mika, which I feel like this this episode today is like all about tips, <laughs> but one of the things that we do is that we have three actionable tips that we want to give you at the end of each episode regarding sleep. It's always to do with our topic. And obviously today we're talking about sleep for the holiday season. And so here are our top three tips to take away today as you go into your holiday events. So the first one is just kind of more of an overarching tip of your mindset, really. (laughs) And that is, if you can, you know, yes, offer sleep when you typically would have your child have sleep. So that's actually one of the tips. But do your best if you can and you have the flexibility to do your same nap time routines and bedtime routines as close as you can. That's great. But just know that contact sleep is okay that day of when you're at family events know that your routines are just going to look different even with your your best foot forward and trying to help them to stay the same they're going to look different no matter what and so it's not going to derail 
your child sleep forever and ever if you have a really off day or a day that is not the same of your typical routines. So, you know, try as your best to just enjoy that day with your family and with your little one and tomorrow's a new day and you can kind of get back on track. So that is, I guess, two in one, <laughs> but Mika, one more, what, what would you say is another tip? Um, I am type a need to feel really prepared. So I do bring and prepare myself with some tools for every time I go out just because I want to make sure I have them. So doing my best to replicate the things that I know helps my child understand that it's sleep and that they have in their sleep space, like a portable sound machine. You will hear us talk a lot about a slumber pod. I take that for every single trip that I can, especially if I am room sharing. And the second thing, if it is maybe just not enough to where I want to set up a full slumber pod and I'm there for a day or, you know, maybe my child, like we have a three bedroom cabin, which I'm excited about. My son's going to have his own space, but I'm not going to know how dark it is. I'm going to bring my sleep out portable shades, which are just super, super awesome and easy to put up and take down and travel with. And And then um, this is kind of This is maybe also uh, two tips in one, but, you know, we always bring a pack and play. Mm -hmm. That is something that we, you know, my, my son goes to sleep independently. So does my daughter. They're used to having their own sleep space. um, And I don't want to throw that off. And so we always bring a pack and play. Now, some families will say like, oh my gosh, we don't have one. And so we might have to resort, you know, back to other habits or back to different sleep situations when we get there. Guys, most Airbnbs and hotels will provide you with a portable crib or a pack and play, play. including cruise ships. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Cruise ships will have them. You don't have to have one. And then if all else fails, and again, most major hotels will have one available for you. If all else fails and they do not have one, utilize something like baby quip. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I totally love baby quip, especially when I went to Hawaii. I wasn't going to carry the tub and all those things. But you can rent a pack and play and even maybe a slumber pod or the mm-hmm. things that you need from there, which is like just super, super awesome. So, yeah. And then um, with that too is if you are borrowing um, like a, a pack and play or a portable crib or anything like that, do bring a sheet from home though. Is that, I know that sounds like a little yeah. thing, but that's the smell from home can actually be really comforting and actually really help your baby sleep. So pack it. one of those from your house too. So those are great. But, you know, at the end of the day, Mika and I really just want you to know and um, that we wish you nothing but the happiest and most joyful holiday season, especially if this is your first one with a child. Um, We really just want you to focus on making those memories with your little ones and know that typical routines will come back in full swing just right after the holidays. So really just enjoy as much as you can. And within the process, you know, I want you to enjoy it and not be worrying so much. But of course, we're both moms and I pay moms and we understand why that is the case but hopefully today you're coming um away with some just good actionable tips too to help you along the way so mika 
Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We all hope that you have a wonderful season. And remember, control what you can control. There's only so much we can do as moms. And, you know, make it your own. Define it in the way that, you know, works best or makes sense for your family. And we are here for you. So we work with families in all types of transitions, including this. And you can always find us on Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow us or subscribe to our podcast. And as always, we do have our webinar where we talk a little bit about our approach so that we can get that consistent sleep for you guys in three days without cry it out. So um, thank you guys for joining us today. Happy holidays and happy holidays. Rested. Stay rested. <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rested Mama's Talk. To stay connected and get more sleep tips from us, follow us on our Instagram page at rested underscore mama underscore happy underscore baby. To find out how we're helping families around the world get better sleep, check out our website, restedmamahappybaby.com, or chat with us directly to learn more about our programs. Chat with you next time.